Hi guys, KO here. Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila, where we are working to inspire positive radical social evolution by uniting mission-driven humans. I'm so excited to welcome one of my longest running friends from middle school, Courtney McRae to the TNT mic. She is a longtime pastry chef, caterer, event planner, and now a B&B bed and breakfast owner out in Wyoming. So she's gonna share her journey and really tell us how, like many of us, it was not a straight line, how she approached many of these challenges, overcame them, and really learned to let go. This is an awesome conversation for anyone looking to maybe take a turn outside of status quo or do things on your own or just follow your heart. Courtney, thank you so much for this conversation. I cannot wait to see this B&B at one time, and I hope to see you IRL very soon. Cheers. Be sure to check us out wherever you get your podcasts and look for the video on YouTube. Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila with your host, Kristen Olson. Questioning a better way, one gracefully disruptive conversation at a time. Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila. I am so excited today. I have a long, long time good friend. I think, do we go to ele- or middle school together? Mm-hmm. So I, well, middle- I think. Were you I at Thunder Ridge? So. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we can't yeah. Even, it's okay. so long ago. We can't even remember. That's a bad <laughs> okay. sign. But we went to middle school, high school together. Um, I'm welcoming Courtney McRae to the TNT mic. She is a longtime culinary badass pastry chef. She's been overseas. She runs a, a bed and breakfast right now in Wyoming. That's absolutely stunning with her husband, Scott, and their pup. We're going to hear her whole journey. But I'm so excited because this is why I love the podcast. We've been friends forever. We reconnected at our reunion, which was not that long ago. Kind of. It was actually. Um, <laughs> and now fun. we get it. Yeah we get an excuse to hang out. So Courtney, yeah. welcome to Chimic and Tequila. Thank you for having me. <laughs> and this is Courtney's first podcast. These are my favorite. Yeah. Podcast <laughs> virgin. <laughs> yes. Yes. Are you enjoying it so far? Yes. Very okay, much good. so. Okay, yeah. good. Well, so tell us a little bit about your background, how you got, I mean, you're cooking all of her stuff. So her website is holding court. You need to go on there. And I think we were, we started to talk and you were posting food and I'm like, this is so great. Like, where can we find these recipes? And I think in the process you put up the website, but tell us about the background, how you even got into this love of food and everything else. So the love of food started a long time ago. Well, actually I've always had a weird relationship with food as far as just, um, I don't even know, just, uh, I think you're, you're picky as a kid. Most Mm -hmm. kids are, and then you kind of grow out of that. And I grew up around a lot of Italians on my mom's side who were always cooking, always making food look really fun, making the journey of cooking it look really, um, appealing. And so I've always sort of just been in the kitchen Mm-hmm. with my mom or um with her siblings and a lot of my cousins have a culinary background a lot of them have worked in restaurants before so i think it's always just sort of been in blood. our blood and yeah and it's it's just there so then in college i started having dinner parties which is not normal for a college student <laughs> no. I, don't think, I wasn't like out <laughs> drinking too well i did that too but I would throw these dinner parties and cook from um, Ina Garden's cookbooks. So people would come over. That was definitely not my experience. (laughs) Yeah, no. So I did, I was um, at school in Fort Collins for two years and um, I looked forward to Thursday nights because that was when I got to cook and practice and um, nobody knew any better. So I was just sort of winging it. And (laughs) if I messed things up, it was like, 
nobody had to know. And I just sort of taught myself in that way from also just watching what my mom did growing up. And then from there, I was like, I don't know if I really know what I want to do. And I'm in this college and my parents are paying for it. And I don't know what I, if this is, if I want to pick something that's here. So I left and I moved to Australia and I worked in a French restaurant as a sous chef. I literally peeled shallots and picked thyme leaves all day like that. I just the most random, um, very unappealing, not sexy at all type of cooking, just the grunt work is yeah, really what it, yeah. it boiled down to. But I loved it. I loved being in the kitchen. I loved just the hustle and bustle of it and, you know, being in the weeds and then you come out of it and everyone's happy because they just ate a good meal and you were a part of it. So I lived there for six years working there. Um, and then when I got home, realized that I kind of wanted to keep that going. So I decided to go work at the med in Boulder, which is no longer sadly, but I trained under a pastry chef there and became a pastry chef. So I worked there for a while, making very little money and being the one time to give me a raise. And I got 25 cents. Nice. <laughs> I was like, I'm out. I left. I, yeah. I was like 25 cents. That's, you know, so now I'm making $10 and 25 cents an hour to wake up at four 30 in the morning and stand on my feet all day, making oh. pastries and just, it, it was fun, but it ran its course. And so then I decided to go to culinary school after that so that I could kind of hone my skills more and went to culinary school, started a catering company. And I did that in Boulder and Broomfield catering to all the businesses around there. And then um, kind of just from there got into event planning and kind of left the culinary part behind for a while. I think a catering company is, um, it was just brutal. And the, yeah, the whole job is brutal. You're on your feet all day. There's no one help us. Scott would help me do dishes uh, yeah, after good. catering these big events and it was fun while it lasted, but it was a lot of hard work and it was so hard on my body. Yeah. So stopped doing that for a while, moved into event planning. And then now um, Scott and I five years ago decided that we were kind of tired of the normal. He worked in IT and he put like 20 plus years in doing that. And then I was kind of over you know, running me? the resident. Okay. Oh, so basically we've been here for five years now. Um, my parents bought this ranch. And so we lease the residential part from them. Oh, and the okay. Cattle operation is leased from, uh, by another couple who has been ranching here for like 30 years. So they have hay, barley and cattle. And then we run two guest houses on the residential part of, of the property. And we live in the other, in the main house here. So Oh, wow. So I didn't even know that. Whole, how big is the ranch itself? So the ranch is about 750 acres. Wow. Of cattle ranching land. And then um, the residential part is about, I think it's like five or six acres. So there's, um, we have like a peony grove and there's two guest houses. We have a greenhouse that needs a lot of work, but it's old. And this was built in the thirties, this whole ranch. Um, okay. 
and by a guy named Kid Nichols, and he was friends with Buffalo Bill Cody, oh, who no, Cody okay. is famous for. So we're a part of this ranch's life. It's it's kind of amazing. It's bigger than all of us, and we yeah. get to just sort of be a part of it right now, That's which is allowing me to use my culinary skills again a little bit just with running the guest houses. And we don't serve breakfast because it's not zoned for that but okay we illegally served breakfast the first year because we Perfect. wanted really good reviews to come in <laughs> so I was like we got to feed everybody and it'll yeah. be free and we'll just figure it out so now um everyone just gets chocolate chip cookies when they arrive that's about the only cooking that I or baking that I do for for the guest houses so Okay. I bet they're oh, so yeah. good though. I'd come just for the cookies, even though there's all this like beautiful <laughs> nature everywhere. Well, so I have so many questions and I was so excited to hear this conversation because I didn't realize how aware you were as a young person to make these big pivots. And the whole reason I started this podcast, well, a multitude of reasons, but mostly to like disrupt status quo of like thinking you have to do all these things a certain way, be a certain, like the juxtaposition of turmeric and tequila, anti-inflammatory, inflammatory, and like, we're still out here doing sports, whatever. So mm -hmm. it's like, uh, it's, it's just being in touch with who you are. How did you even know in college to be like, I've done two years. Is this worth it? Cause I think every student's been like, Oh sweet. I'm going to graduate with, you know, hundred K plus in loans. And I got a degree in something I don't care about. Like, how did you have that awareness as a sophomore to be like, mm, this isn't what I need to be doing. Um, I think my codependent people pleasing ways was yeah. like, I can't make my parents pay for more of this if I don't know what I'm doing. Okay. Uh, so it's not, I, I don't know. I think that's definitely, that plays a part that I was yeah. like, I gotta be the perfect daughter. And if I make them pay for something and then I don't use it, that's not going to look good. So it sort of started there, but also I did just know that I think I was about to do what everyone around me was doing and it didn't feel right. Yeah. It was like, I don't really want a business degree or so, like I, there wasn't, it was, just, um, I think everyone was kind of like, I'll just do journalism or I'll just do it. There was sort of, I don't know, I guess it just felt like that was the direction people were going to go. I have been on my own path, I think from a pretty young age where I just, I'm not, a, I, I, for someone who is such a rule follower yeah. in so many ways, I did not follow the rules that you're supposed to like graduate from high school and then you go to college and then you get a job and then you work to pay off your loans. Like you said, from, <laughs> from this major that you don't care about. And you know, then you get married young. I didn't do that either. I waited till I was 30, which I guess is still kind of young, it's for sure still young oh, I don't yeah. know <laughs> I'm and with you I'm the total opposite of all these things we keep going <laughs> yeah I, yeah we just and and I found someone who is the same way and in, in my husband that it was like we weren't like we have to have kids and we like it we didn't know if we wanted kids yet I I was still trying to I am still trying to figure out so yeah. many things that I was like <laughs> I don't think I would be good at being a parent right now because I don't even know who I am or what, what I'm doing. Um, and then, you know, and then we decided we did want kids and then it turns out we can't have them anyway. So, Oh, okay. You kind okay. of go that direction and all the fat chance, like you, you know, you didn't know if you wanted it and then you just do. So that coincided with more doctors and whatever. So we did a lot of flying back and forth 
from here to Denver um, during the past five years. So that we've put a lot of time, energy, money into that. Uh, now come to a place where it's it's not going to happen, and I'm finally fine with that. Okay. But there was Wait, like it cut, a lot it of cut mourning. out. A, it cut out oh. a little bit. So you were you were flying back and forth to do like um fertility, fertility. type appointments. Okay. Yeah. So if there's any younger people listening, my takeaway would be freeze your eggs and sperm. It's so funny you said. I I I actually I'm in pro, I'm in booking a podcast where we're talking about that. We're at 20 years old. If you know your your paths, our kiddos have a very different conversation than even we did. But I know being an athlete and just knowing my 18 year old self, I was way more clear than I think even then. Now I would have been like, go ahead and freeze them. Like let's just put it aside so we know. And um, but I even see you know 26, 27 year olds with you know doing fertility stuff. So um, I'm so here for that conversation of just our young people and just giving the option. Like, do you want? Mm-hmm. Here's what you can do. So carry on money yeah money well spent I think if you can do it I wish I would have I wish someone would have told me to yeah I had no I had no idea so I think it's going to become more of a common thing now and I think that's that's a good thing for for anyone younger listening and do it in your 20s when you've got those good eggs not the dusty ones that I had left (laughs) so (laughs) I'm still here for I'm here for the dust but I like I really love that you so eloquently displayed like rule follower and like in your own terms like you were this juxtaposition of things of like I'm going to do this because my parents want me to but also like that's it's still pretty hard to walk away from school and then you went to Australia which is even um like that's a massive move being away from home. Yeah. Um, and then, like, as far oh, away as possible. Yeah. <laughs> these, well, that's also, I swear any kid freeze your eggs and also go away from home for at least two years, even yeah. if you love it, just so you can like get, you know, get to know yourself and get away from everything you came from, like get out of the environment. Um, how was Sydney, Australia as a young person and like being in this like kind of intense job and a whole different like mindset and world essentially. Again, we're, we're very rural. Sometimes. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> sometimes it, yeah, we don't have a lot of good connections. Oh, which is um, so good in the scheme of things. But so I kind of missed some of what you said. I heard- um, Australia. So you're young. Yeah. You kind of like decide we're not going to school and we're going to Australia. Because these are also like big decisions. It's kind of like even the fertility journey of like, you know what you want. And then, you know, you decide something. And then universe kind of, I always say, like looks out, even if it's something we don't think we want. Um, yeah. But tell me about being in Australia as a young person and making that move from college. Because I do think a lot of college kids need to hear this. If you're in it and you've started and you're paying the bills and maybe you don't want to be there, you don't have to stay there. Like make a move. Are we back? I can hear you. Okay. I can hear you now. We're good. <laughs> Reasoning for going was, there were a couple reasons. I, I was kind of just not sure what I wanted to do. So I decided to leave school. I also had been dating someone that then he was in a band and what do people in bands do? They oh. have lots of women interested in them. So they cheat on you and you know, all that okay. good stuff. Do I so know this human? Happened. Was this the Eagle Crest no, person? Oh, okay. no. Um, and so that happened and it was kind of heartbreaking. I mean, I found out by meeting her at one of their concerts. What? <laughs> so yeah. So that was, that was a lot of fun. Um, and <laughs> just, I mean, just a punch in, a, in the gut. And then yeah. this is how stupid I am. I was the designated driver that night. So I still proceeded to drive him home. I should have what? just left him, but I, I was like, again, the people pleasing part of me was like, well, I'll, I'll just be cool. And I'll just, yeah. I'll still take everyone in the band home. What oh a dumbass. My- so 
That's hilarious. I mean, I probably would have done, well, I don't know, but that's okay. Carry on, carry on. Yeah. I like looking back, I'm like, I should have not only just drove away, but like, I should have like run him over some donuts and burn. Yeah. Burn some rubber, like <laughs> yeah, get out of yeah. here. Um, so, wow, so okay. I was like, I just got to get out of here. I, everything just felt like it was closing in on me. Yeah. So I decided I was like, where do they speak English? but that's really far away. So <laughs> Australia it was. So yes. I, um, I went through the process of getting a visa, which is not easy. They yeah. definitely don't like us coming over there, which I don't, I don't blame, blame them um, <laughs> at all. So I got my work visa and then I moved and lived in Darling Harbor in Sydney, Australia, and had a tiny cockroach infested Yes. apartment that I shared with someone that was just sort of like a mutual friend that I didn't know well, but she was going there as well. And so we just roomed together and, um, kind of had like our separate lives while we were there. Um, and so, uh, I worked as the sous chef in the French restaurant. And then I also was a waitress in an Indian restaurant. Oh, okay. Um, so I had two jobs. So, I'm an American in Australia in a French and Indian restaurant. So it was, it was just fun and challenging. And when the six months was go, I really wanted to stay. I was in tears, just wishing oh. that they could sponsor me, but the restaurant was already sponsoring someone from London. So they couldn't pay to sponsor another person. And that's the only way that you could stay and continue working. So I came home kind of just recharged and ready, but also there was no part of me that wanted to go back to college. Yeah. And I was already, I watching all my friends go to kind of major universities and I could only get into front range community college in Fort Collins. So I remember feeling like this big after, yeah. like, I, I remember during graduation being like, I got to get out of here. This is so embarrassing. Little did I know there were a lot of people that went to community college <laughs> yeah. from our high school, but no one talked about it. So I felt like everyone was going to see you, CSU or Greeley. And mm -hmm. then there was like me. So I'm here, but like not on campus with everyone else. And so I still remained friends with a lot of people that were over at CSU. But I, I just, I remember just feeling like this doesn't feel right. Yeah. And I just, I guess I thought I would learn more being out in the world. For sure. And I did. I was going to say, and you and were I correct. Still am. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm still learning a lot. I mean, I hope I'm always learning something. Yeah. Um, but I just, I, it, it is, even as I'm saying this out loud, I'm like, wow, I, re I really did it. I like, I yeah. don't know. I don't know why I knew that that was what I had to do. It just, it just happened. And I think I just wanted to, I was ready to just work and learn from people. And that's why I love training under a pastry chef and learning everything that she could teach me and just being a sponge and soaking it all in. I love so. it. Well, I think it's, you know, we're so intentional and like, we do have like this very hard driven trajectory of like graduate, you know, get a job, get a spouse, have a family, blah, blah, blah. But 
really like, even if we're intentional and you do those things, I really do. I always say on the show, like God, universe, Madonna, like it will kind of steer you in a direction. And regardless of your plans, which never happened, it will like, you're getting these skill sets that you didn't even intend to get. And it's like preparing you for something bigger at all times, even when you're Mm -hmm. broken down or you want to run over your, you know, loser band boyfriend or whatever the things are like, it's teaching you something along the way, or it's shoving you in the right direction. And I actually say like my mission driven, like varsity humans, like we have to like, get hit the hardest like it's got to be like full-on punch in the gut until I pivot and I'm like oh you took the universe warned me a hundred times but now that I'm sitting here like kicked off a team or you know placed out of a job or a contract something ends and it's like oh yes <laughs> I was I guess you were telling me but I think that's you know we kind of have to do that path and and I'm kind of I'm a people pleaser like you uh, or former people pleaser I would say we're, we're always working on it but it's I think even in that, when we think we're doing the right thing, sometimes you're still doing the right move for the wrong reasons, but it's still the right move for your trajectory. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So yeah, it kind of propels think, you in the right place. Yeah. And I think I, I went many years thinking all those little nudges from the universe that it was working against me. I have yeah. been like, I'm a victim. Like, this is not fair. The universe hates me and they do not have my back. And this, like, everyone's like making these, manifestation boards and they're all coming true. And it's like, (laughs) what, like, why did I cut these things out of a magazine and nothing's happening? And like, and, but it was like, I wasn't really, I was just going through the motions. I wasn't really in it. And then lots of therapy later, I learned that it's actually the, that the universe is actually helping me on my path. My path is a lot different than most people's. And it is hard, I think, for like maybe our parents' generation to understand what that means to have a path. So then I think they think that you are the royal you on a on a path that is different than theirs is is not doing well or is like that you you wish you were doing something else and it's like no this is actually (laughs) how it's supposed to be going it just looks a little bit different than um what it looked like in the 50s and 60s like this is a different time and sometimes I wish it was a little more like it used to be where it's like here here's your path it looks like everyone else's go and then other times I'm so glad that mine was freaking messy because it has been and like you said a punch in the gut like I don't know how many times I've been punched in the gut a lot I mean and you just keep going and you don't know how you are gonna keep going and then you just you do. do and then all of a sudden here you are and everything makes sense and it really does feel like it happened for a reason. I don't sit here thinking it's on, it is unfair that we can't have kids, but also mm-hmm. I'm okay. Yeah. Like it, it's going to be okay. And I did not think it was going to be okay. I thought that okay. was like the end all be all, like I have to be able to do this. And I think it became that I had to prove that I could. I was like, no, my body has to be able to do this. And that's not, that's not the case. And yeah. that's okay now. So, yeah. Well, so does all these other experiences, and I'm so here for therapy and all, any sort of coaching, anything, um, do these experiences of like, kind of like breakdown, breakthrough, do any of that experience in your life help you kind of rationalize and deal with the idea of not being able to have kids? Like, cause you have experience in that, well, I thought it was going to go this way. I had expectations and now it's different than my expectations. Yes. I think, um, along with 
my codependency, my anxious to please personality <laughs> is also a very controlling part of me. And um, so not having control over that yeah. was really hard. So that's what I worked on. I think the most was that the, it, it really is not in our hands. It's exactly. just not. And so um, there's like some freedom that comes with that. Mm -hmm. So that I think is how I got to where I am now is that it, it I, instead of blaming myself or um, I was trying to like blame anyone else as to why this would happen. I'm like, well, obviously I have ancestral trauma and things that like, there's all these things that I wanted to be the reason. And yeah. it's like, I don't know, are we in a simulation and I'm yeah. playing the role of the person that can't have kids? That's okay. I, yeah. you know, there were times where I'm like, I want to switch players. If this really is a game and we're just like, somebody's dreamed up something like, can I like have a new role? Yeah. I, like this is the role I got. <laughs> and now I'm like, I kind of love this role. It's, yeah. it's, it is what it is. And I don't know, there's something kind of great about the messiness of it. Yeah. Well, I think if you can get to that baseline and I'm streamlining many coaching hours and therapies and whatnot, but if just understanding that things are working for you, if you can just at, in your darkest moment, know that even if you don't believe it, or even if it's really hard, or even if you want to kill something or whatever, know that, you know, when you've had dark moments before, and then you fast forward a few years, you're like, thank God that dark moment had it happened. So then now I'm here. So if you get back into a dark moment, which we all will, you can kind of somehow cling to the idea that like, this is working for me, even though I'm broken down in all like the, the, in the toughest, most raw space, like something else is it's something there's larger order. There's bigger things happening. You just have to like keep the faith in it. And I don't, I don't know. I think even as you get good at it, it's like, you still have to get better. And I don't know that it ever goes away. And then it's like a different kind of trauma. But I, I do think if you can just somehow cling to the space of like, something's working for you, that's like the, the baseline. That's like the, the net that catches you. Mm hmm. I would agree with that 100 percent. Yeah, it, if you the second you stop believing that it's working yeah. in your favor is when those spirals sort of happen. And I have I've been there, done that. I, yeah. I'm not interested. I mean, there's always going to be steps backwards that we take, but that's because, like you said, there's uh, like I'm a very finish line person. Sometimes I'm like, I don't like the journey. I just want to get to the finish line of like being healed or what from whatever. And my therapist is like, yeah, there's, no, there's no, you can finish little parts, but there's always going to be another door that you open once you get to that finish line. And then you're on the track again and you got to keep going. And we have the luxury of being able to look at that. Yeah. That, which is also huge that we we are fortunate enough to pay someone to help us work on ourselves yeah. not everyone can do that not everyone wants to do that um i happen to like looking in and looking in the past and seeing kind of how i got here um and i'm finally at a place where i don't have to live in it yeah. like and use it as a crutch maybe like mm -hmm. i've done for many years but so now it's more joy filled because you just get to work on these things that you didn't think were solvable and then all of a sudden 
you like I look back on what I was like even a year ago and I'm like wow I don't even know that person anymore yeah wow I admit Corey, I'm so impressed. These are like really grown statements. And it's it's one thing to, to say stuff, but like to really feel it, walk in it, and then be able to like reverberate it. This is like the upside of social media and podcasting or whatever. And that's why I love these conversations so much. And I really appreciate you being so vulnerable and sharing these pieces because the kiddos that can't afford therapy or can't see at the minimum, they can hear that there's two grown women that are intentional that are talking about it. And then maybe at some point they can question a better way or because therapy is still not, you know, welcomed in a lot of communities. I think that if, mm-hmm. if we can at least model our conversations out there at the very minimum, if you've no resource, at least you can hear two people talking about how they appreciate it. And there's a positive spin around it. And I think that's the upside of social media and all this stuff of that there's access to like other, to questioning a better way and doing things different than everything we've been taught before. Because every nationality, every generation, everybody has to to break free from what they came from in some capacity. Um, mm-hmm. And now in this day and age, we get to see people doing that where I think it was like good in the old days, but they were just secretly miserable. So even yeah. though we branded as happiness and like it was simpler, it was like, mm, no, they were still miserable. They just didn't bring yeah. it outside the house. So and they, they were considered crazy. It's like, here, have yeah. a volume yeah. and go go back to parenting your kid. <laughs> exactly. Like, good just, night, Moon. Yeah. Go, yeah. Go. You're fine. Just take Hello. this pill. And and then, yeah, but then than that kind of Stepford way of living where you just kind of smile through things and have small talk and there's no depth. And even for people who maybe can't afford therapy, what if you could talk to your friends in a way that if you kind of could both get on board with being vulnerable and being kind of an open book and talking about these things, then you won't feel so alone yeah. which is how I have felt through a lot of the things that I've gone through. Well, and I, and I also think it's about um, community. So Jessica Crow, Neil, and I have been meeting because she recently got into the entrepreneurial world a, a couple of years ago. And so we started meeting on Fridays. I've been in it forever because I couldn't handle a boss after a top 20 D1 sport. And I was like, I don't care if I live under a bridge. We're done having someone tell us what to do because I didn't grow up with that. And so I was like, whoa. Anyway, so we started the bit. So I've been in it forever. So Jess and I started meeting my friend and I um, weekly or once, I think it was weekly or once a month, you know, for like a year straight and it kind of helped her launch it. So I think an accountability buddy is huge. However, I got back into fitness and competing and that was like my piece of structure that kind of formed the rest of my day. So Mm -hmm. I always advise to, for mental health and physical health, like find something you're passionate about. And I'm curious for you, alongside having your humans and support, which is critical, um, how was cooking not only your passion and, you know, your paycheck a lot of times, but how was it like helping you like mentally heal? Like, did you go back to the kitchen when you were like feeling blue? Like, did it help you in your mental health? Sometimes, um, and it still does. And sometimes it became something that I just had to do to, Mm -hmm. in order to eat, I had to make dinner. (laughs) And so there were, there have always been times where you just get a little burned out as you would with anything that you're passionate about, but for sure, there is something about working with your hands and focusing on, you have to pay attention to what you're doing. Everything is hot on a stove or in an oven and you have knives and there's, you can't just pull a pan out without a hot pad. So there's something about being present during all of that, that, um, I think is very therapeutic. And then I love separate ingredients coming together and making something. I love that someone figured out that if you put 
flour and yeast and water together, you can have bread. Yeah. It will make bread. And separately, those things are just sort of on their own. They they are separate items. And then you bring them together. And those three items can make all kinds of different things. You can yeah. make it into different types of bread. So there, the the possibilities are endless and that is fascinating to me. The science behind how that all works is pretty thrilling. So, well, and especially with baking, baking is like chemistry. Like you really do. There's so much like intricate parts to it, as you're saying. And that's where I'm like, no, no, we'll just go to Whole Foods and go in that nice little display case and yeah. pay the $50 for the little, you know, truffle, whatever it is. Um, but I, it's, it's, it's deeply intricate in, in what you do and how you do it. Um, but I love that, that. I feel like that might be a larger thing for you, like taking things that otherwise are like mutually exclusive and putting them together and coming to, I, I can't help but say, but I have to say this. I feel like, I mean, maybe that could be a way about family like this. And this might be a personal question. So you feel free to not answer if you don't want but like, would you consider like adoption or any sort of like, I don't want to say a creative play, but like an alternate family route? Um, we thought about adoption and I don't know if that's really for us. We were going to okay. even donor egg. And then there was just something that didn't feel right about it. And I still don't really know what that is. Okay. I think the direction that I would probably go in well one we have a dog who is like our daughter you know i'm here for um, and yeah and she i mean she's the best so we do put a lot of be a lot of energy into her <laughs> she kind of runs the place oh for um, sure and then i've i have always just thought that maybe i would be influential in maybe some of my friends kids lives if they're interested in cooking or doing something that I oh, yeah. teach them, then that would be fun when they get to an age where that's something that they'd be interested in. Yeah. Um, so I think I would love to maybe like, I have some friends that are teachers and if I'm back in Denver ever, it would be fun to go in their classrooms and kind of just hang out for the day and get to know kids and you know, not in a creepy way. Like, yeah. I'm not going <laughs> to... <laughs> don't drive a van with no windows for you um, yeah so but just seeing kid like I love when kids are interested in cooking that makes yeah. me very happy because I think it's important I think it's important for parents to let their kids be in the kitchen with them yes there's there's a lot they can learn just from watching their parents cook or cooking together giving them some responsibilities I think that's really important but I think I would, I would say that I'd never say never to adoption, but mm -hmm. right now it just, it just didn't feel like the right direction for us. And my husband's actually adopted. So he has oh, cool. okay. a background in knowing um, how that can play out, which can be great yeah. or not so great. So yeah. seeing both sides of it. So well, I think you've had this running theme in life and throughout this conversation um, <clears throat> of trusting your gut. Like, I actually do think, you know, and I think that you don't have to explain or anything and not just you, like everybody, if you feel a type of way about something, like, I think that's enough. Like there's no, no one needs to understand it. No one needs to support it. No, like you just have to trust what you're feeling. And like, that is literally enough. And it's, and honestly, I feel like it's led you down the right path thus far, even though it looked like some like external factors, even those played a role. I mean, it really does sound like you've listened to your internal guidance in, you know, a strong capacity, even as a young person. It's like, it's something certainly guiding you and you're listening. So you get a gold star all the days for that. 
Okay. Yeah. Now you, now you're back. Okay. It's cardio. Um, well, let's tell me, tell me about, I want to hear about, um, the cooking. And I actually, I have to say as a fitness human, cause I want to get involved with kids and sports and athletics or stay involved with it. Because I think just the life skills of learning through sport, you know, camaraderie team time management. Um, but I love the connection to food and, and we have like childhood obesity is massive. And I see our young people questioning a better way. And if we can get them to eat differently, you know, it's not just about them being healthier. It disrupts big food, big pharma. Like there's a major business conversation there. So I would love to see you on the forefront of that, of like connecting kiddos to what we're eating. And like, I think when they cook it and like they are connected to picking the vegetables or whatever. It's just a total different psychology around food and can even impact like eating disorders and that kind of stuff. So um, I hope you find your way into youth kitchens uh, in some capacity, but tell us about like the bed and breakfast and the business. And I mean, this is like an entrepreneurial situation and you guys are kind of by yourselves. We are completely by ourselves. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, we, we are secluded just we were 20 minutes from town okay Uh, so and we have these two guest houses and this like i said this ranch was built in the 30s and it came with a bunkhouse which was for all the cowboys and ranch hands they would literally bunk up there were bunk beds and one bathroom and that's just where they stayed they would eat their meals and sleep there and then get up and work um, on all the fields and with all the livestock the next day. And that's just how they had things. And then they also had a smokehouse where they would, uh, hang all their meats and all of that. Those two buildings are still here and we transformed them into guest houses. I assure you, there's no like meat smell in the, (laughs) it's it's not like, yeah, it's, so we, um, we remodeled them a bit. I mean, we kept the structures, uh, pretty as, as close as possible to what they were. We did add on to the smokehouse and um, it used to just be like a studio looking place with a wet bar okay. and we added a full kitchen and we added two king bedrooms and a Jack and Jill bath. And then it has a powder room. And so it's like a full home wow. where a lot of like families will stay. Or if, if people have a family reunion, they'll rent both places, use that as home base. Cause there's a kitchen and everything and and then sleep in the other one as well and the the bunk is a king and a queen bedroom and a family room and then it's got its little keurig and a mini fridge and it has a grill and it's sort of true bunk style there's no like we do the dishes for them they put them in a dish bin and we take them and do the dishes and bring them back so it does have that sort of campy feel to it okay but with like luxury bedding and you know really nice we wanted it to be nice we have the the most compliments we get are on um the bedding and oh. the toilet paper uh, and the toilet paper okay so yeah everyone's like it's not one ply I'm like yeah we're we we're giving you charm <laughs> We want you to have a good trip. It's the brand with the bears. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like you, you have to be comfortable and we have like a pillow menu. So there's tons of different pillows to choose. Wow. So we think of the thing, we love travel and we've always traveled. We've always kind of saved up and then got like, we left and moved to Europe for eight months um, together just to like meet people and travel and so we've, we've always had that travel bug. And my husband always said, if we can't travel, let's let travelers come to us. And so that's sort of 
how we managed to start this. And so it's, it's been a ton of fun. It's also challenging. Cause like you said, it's just us. So yeah. have there been days where I'm like, if I have to clean one more room, yeah. <laughs> like, yes, of course that gets difficult sometimes, but everything's difficult sometimes. Right. There's right. really, no, you're not, I really even think when people say like, oh, it's my dream job. It's like, yeah, this is a dream job too, but I'm still cleaning toilets. It's still a job. Yeah. Yeah. There, it's still work. It's not like, yeah. It, so, but it's rewarding when you hear that you've been a part of someone's vacation, that this is something that they had a lot of fun doing and seeing and experiencing. And it's you, you played a role. Yeah. So again, that people pleasing part of me. Is yeah. Like, oh. Yeah. I made him have a good vacation. So that's something I'm obviously still working on. <laughs> I mean, well, I, don't, I don't think it's all bad. Like you want to be a contribution to society. You want to be, I mean, I've had a multitude of coaches and be like, you know, say like, you don't need to do more. You need, you know, just exist, be at peace. And I'm like, no, no, I'm, I'm not going to like, well, how are we being a helper here? Like, let's be a contributing factor. So I don't know. I think I'm here for all things, but also I think the smarter we get and the more experience we get, you learn that, you know, nothing. And that, Sometimes some like sometimes your internal drivers as a young person are like all you need to know. Like I was, you know, driven to do sports and be part of a community and do this. And that's kind of driven my personal and professional mission. And and like sometimes that's just enough. So I always say take all the intel, but also trust your gut. And I think you've done a good job of that. I do try. It it has it has taken me, but I do think um because I was very stuck on the why. Why? Mm -hmm. Why why is why, why, why? I needed answers and now I really do feel like what you just said. I, I do trust that there's a reason and I, I kind of don't need, it's kind of full stop. Like, I don't think this is right. The end, not, yeah. I, let me figure out why this isn't right. And so that took a lot of energy and a lot of time and I don't have to do that as much anymore, which is, which is nice. So there you go. Yeah. I love it, but it's all kind of like come full circle. I, I hope for anyone listening, but particularly our young people can see like, you don't need to know the how you don't need to know the why, but like, you just keep showing up and kind of taking care of you as best as you can. Like the path is playing out and you couldn't have in high school, you couldn't have been like, I'm going to own a place in Wyoming with my husband and it's, you know, we're going to rebuild it. And then I'm going to do this journey in Australia. Like, you would have no idea on any of this. So you kind of really just have to let go and just keep showing up. Yeah. <laughs> high school is a very small world oh that we through a very small <laughs> lens, which is good. I think it'd be too overwhelming if we, All right, while, while, while we have you, we're out of high school. Thank God. Um, tell me where people can find you, find out about, uh, the B and B where you are. You're amazing. You have to go on and see her recipes in the website. They're absolutely gorgeous, but they're, they're things you can do. Some of it is a little bit varsity for me, but it's only because I'm basic in the kitchen, but it's, they're really like beautiful things. And even little tips and tricks I've changed just because of watching your social media. Well, thank you. And I took quite a break from that. It's hard during the summer when we're running the For guest sure. houses, but fall and winter is when I really put more time and effort into the website just because we don't have people here in the fall and winter typically. Okay. Um, our season is pretty short. It's May to October because we're about an hour and a half from the East Gates of Yellowstone. So that's why people come here. Okay. Um, and we're on Airbnb. It's called Diamond Bar Ranch cool. in Cody, Wyoming. Um, and yeah, it's, it's beautiful. It's, um, something that 
I think people are surprised to find out. I think you hear Wyoming and you're kind of like, eh, is it flat? Is it, but it's, <laughs> is it windy? <laughs> or it is definitely windy, not all the time, but it is definitely windy. Um, but there's something kind of magical about that. If you don't have to be outside in it and you're just from the comforts of one of our guest houses watching the wind from the many windows, it's yeah. cozy. So I highly recommend it if you love nature and you want a little bit of that kind of nature-ish feeling without that cabin feeling that always seems to come with something like when you think of Wyoming or Montana, you think cabin, and we did not want that. We wanted a little bit more light, airy, um, cozy without being like that dark cabin-y feel which is what a lot of the B&Bs around here are, yeah. which is fine if you're looking for that, but this is just a little bit different. This has a little different spin on it, which seems to be pretty popular among the people that come. We have a lot of repeats, which is high praise because it's yeah. not easy to get here. So when we, we have a couple that comes every year and has been coming since we started. Aww. So, and we have a couple other people that do the same every, every year or every other year. So it's it's pretty special. It's a special it. of property with kind of a great rich history. Yes. Well, you had me at chocolate chip cookies and pillow menu, so everything else was just an added bonus as far yeah. as I'm concerned. Um, but it sounds amazing. I would actually love to get out there at some point. And is it pet friendly? Can I bring a whole herd of dogs? <laughs> Sadly, it's not pet friendly. Oh, okay. I was, but since it's the working ranch, there's oh. dogs everywhere, and they okay. don't play nice because they're here to work for sure to move cattle and protect their their owners so they like we can't let our dog run loose which we wouldn't anyway because this is bear country but oh yeah, yeah so we have we have a lot of um critters for sure around oh, here no okay <laughs> one of mine is a cattle dog and so i'm very clear she clearly she's not a working ranch dog but the cattle drive she's like 65 percent, and it's no oh joke God. like i'm her it. cow yeah and she bites the other dog's leg she's so good she's an absolute lover but it's so funny the high drive like we need to do ten thousand throws a day otherwise yeah. at night she's like sitting on edge so i totally get <laughs> the real oh, working cattle dogs. dogs love to work oh Our my dog god work, and she's a golden doodle she will work and work and like she will play and swim as long as you'll let her. I love it. I love it. Yeah. She's so cute. I love that she's on the social too. Well, yes. I. I appreciate the time and energy. I'm so glad we made it through. I had the time off technology universe was giving us challenges, but we're here. Um, go, go check out what Courtney has going on. Like I said, the website's beautiful. Um, the B and B my Oming sounds more than beautiful. So go see all she, that she's going on, but please take note of her journey, uh, and trusting your gut and not having it all figured out. I think that's the way to go. And, that, and I'm here with you to appreciate the mess. Oh yeah. I still don't have it figured out too, by no. the way. May we never have it figured out. No, I hope so. I, I <laughs> hope that that's the case. I don't want it to figure it all out. That would be boring. Exactly, exactly. Well, if you're in Denver again, please hit me up so we can toast over um, the messiness in this world. Yes, we need to have some more yes. I'll bring the tequila. Thank you for joining Turmeric and Tequila with your host, Kristen Olson. Tune in next time and don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen.